2: keep all your entertainment options centered with xfinity x1 access live tv netflix and now hulu and peacock ah streaming zen now that's simple easy awesome go online or call 1-800 xfinity today restrictions apply netflix hulu and peacock memberships required
1: it just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold coca-cola in your hand stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20 ounce bottle of coca-cola or coca-cola zero sugar Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy.
3: This is the Cubs related podcast presented by cubsinsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan and we are coming to you on a Wednesday evening as the Cubs take the rubber game from the Oakland Athletics at Wrigley Field, winning 2 of 3 and securing a 5 and 1 home stand naturally, folks, right? The only game the Cubs lose since I've been back in Chicago is the one <laughs> started by John Lester, but I'll tell you what, folks. I will take a five and one homestand with a Lester loss rather than a one and five homestand and a Lester win. It's all about the team. Me and Johnny are on the same page in that regard. So we will talk about these three games with the Athletics as per usual. Lately, with this Cubs team, we've got some roster moves going on. The Cubs adding Jonathan Lucroy, who will join the team as they head to Cincinnati to add some veteran depth with Wilson Contreras on the injured list for a few weeks here. We've got Pedro Strope back. A lot of movement on this team, but I, I think, Brendan, the key here is now they head on the road. It's time to flip the script as far as performing on the road, but this was a really, really good homestand. They take the sweep from the Milwaukee Brewers and two of three from a very good Oakland team who came in hot, came in with a really good record, and the Cubs took care of business at home which is all we've been asking them to do, and pick it up a little bit on this road trip, and they should be just fine.
0: Yeah, and they're pulling away a little bit from the division, so they're going to be three games up of the Brewers and three and a half games up of the Cardinals. And combining that with seeing Ian Happ have success, Schwarber's been on one core. He's looking so good at the plate. Chris Bryant hit a home run, so there was a lot of concern about his knee injury. As Madden was saying, he's still dealing with some knee thing. So all in all, that was a pretty good series. Lester, you just throw that out of the window. He does that once a year. It's his annual tradition with the Cubs. It is what it is. But overall, yeah, man, like this series, this this is really fun to see just because you're getting contributions from guys who were not contributing,
3: you know, three weeks ago. Good to see. Right. And obviously I don't, I would have preferred it not happen, but I I do think that we we give Nick Castellanos and a guy like Tony Kemp and anybody else that's just recently joined the the Cubs fold here, they they get a good glimpse of what it's like to play at Wrigley Field and what it's like to play in front of Cubs fans in that game on Tuesday night. Because Brendan, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I, I have not watched a lot of Detroit Tigers games really ever, even when I was student at the University of Michigan. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that 30-plus thousand people don't stick around when the team is down by 10 runs to cheer on their left fielder who used to play catcher getting back in behind the plate for an inning to catch the other catcher. Uh, So I think Castellanos and these guys— we're probably looking around, going, "Whoa, like this is quite the fan base, that right. We're playing even in, front in that of
0: here. even in that ninth inning, like even though they were down, what was it? seven runs, the very right. last out, the crowd is going nuts thinking that's a home run. I forgot who hit it, but that's really field for you, man. That's
3: what they do. Right. So welcome to Chicago, guys. This is what it's like. This is what uh, the the Cubs fans, the Wrigley faithful, are are going to bring on a daily basis. And as I've mentioned, I'm very happy to be back uh, a part of that. As I mentioned in the last episode, I've been eating all the good Wrigley Field food totally back in the fold here and racking up the w's brendan so this is what i'm here to do appreciate that i'm i'm doing my best i'll i'll have a chat with john we'll get on the right page there and and we'll we'll you know we'll try to make it perfect homestands from now on but just want to run through these games real quick as always keep it pretty abbreviated but want to touch on some things to set the table for this conversation here as we go forward and on Monday, it was a 6-5 to win, and if any game so far this year, Brendan, could be best summed up by that Starlin Castro, phew, gif, it was Monday. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was pretty sure that Semyon had put the A's ahead in that ninth inning off of David Phelps. Uh, but when that ball landed in Ian Happ's glove, that was quite the sigh of relief from me and uh, basically everybody else. I think at, at Wrigley Field, you could kind of feel the collective air let out at, at the end of that game. But the Cubs winning 6-5. to five, They jumped on the board early with Nick Castellanos' first home run of the year for the Chicago Cubs, his 12th total on the year to right field. The A's would take a 2-1 to lead in the third, but that would get taken back by Javi Baez' 27th home run of the year, and he was not done for the evening. More on that in a moment. In the bottom of the seventh in a 2-2 to game, it was Ian Happ. With a home run that made it three to two, Cubs. Nick Castellanos continues to top the major league doubles leaderboard. This one on Monday was his fortieth. He was definitely not done in that regard. That made it four to two, and then one El Mago Javier Baez added his twenty eighth. That made it six to two. That was quite the inning. The Cubs battling back from a two to one deficit, falling behind in the third, and then pretty much putting their foot down in the sixth and seventh inning and saying, not today, we're winning this game. Got a little dicey in that eighth inning. Uh, Steve Ciszek, not a great effort. That was uh, a lot of messing around from Steve there, but we'll let him off the hook. He's been very good for the Cubs. The A's get it to two within one, but that is where they would stay. A, a really nice job with uh, Strope not being back at this point. Uh, and Kinsler coming in earlier in the game, and obviously Craig Kimbrell being down. Really good job by Kyle Ryan, and then Phelps does get that final out, even though it was maybe inches from going out. Good job by Ryan and Phelps to hop into a situation. They are not necessarily used to being in, closing out a close game against a a very tough A's lineup. So a good job by those two to shut the door. Brandon Kinsler does leave this game and eventually hit the injured list with a peck injury, but all the sounds of that are that this is mostly precautionary, just no reason to rush him back out there, take the 10 days and get him back. He's been very good for the Cubs. He exited this game with a 2.33 ERA, so hopefully he is back back soon and can get back into the uh, Uh, top portion of that bullpen as soon as possible. On Tuesday, excuse me, actually, let me go back to Monday and just read Kyle Hendricks' line. He was very good in this game. Six and a third, one hit, and that was a semi and two-run home run. So really nice to see the Cubs offense pick Hendricks up there because he certainly didn't deserve to lose this game on that one hit. Two earned on that home run, two walks, and five strikeouts. Something really funny, Brendan, about Kyle Hendricks being the first Cubs starter to walk a batter in six starts. That broke that stretch that I think we read on the podcast the last time. And immediately that run scores. Baseball is very cruel sometimes. They go six straight starts without walking a batter. The first one they do is the one of the last people you would expect in this rotation to walk someone immediately scores right. on a home run. Of course so, it goes like that. Right. That is baseball for you in a nutshell not really going to touch on much on Tuesday. Not a great start uh, for your boy, number 34, the left-hander John Lester. Uh, Four innings, nine earned runs on 10 hits, three walks, and six strikeouts. It was a disastrous second inning. Eight runs for Johnny there. Not his best. Like you said, Brendan, we'll throw it in the trash, but we will talk more about Lester in a moment. But just Briefly, I would say we've talked about this before. Like These starts are going to happen. He's 35, diminished stuff, sitting around 90, 91, 92 with those fastballs. And if he doesn't have the control, especially against an A's lineup that has a ton of pop like this, these starts are going to happen from time to time. You just throw him out and move on and focus on the many, many times he's kept the team in the game and delivered a quality start. And then on Wednesday, the Cubs blowing out the A's, returning the favor and getting that run differential back to where it needs to be with a 10-1 to victory to secure the 5-1 and homestand and the series victory over Oakland. A great start from Jose Quintana. He goes seven innings, two hits, one earned run, no walks, and seven strikeouts. Just an excellent outing from Quintana, only on 94 pitches. So on a closer game or a different day, he probably could have even pushed it into the eighth. A really big effort for Jose Quintana. And I want to stop there and read this stat from Gordon Wittenmeyer, who tweeted out that since June 29th in Cincinnati the Cubs are 7 and 0 in Jose Quintana's starts and in those starts Quintana himself is 6 and 0 with a 3.67 ERA that is a really good stretch of baseball for Jose Quintana and really good starts this weekend he was great against Milwaukee to start this homestand and he was great against Oakland to bookend this homestand so really impressive stuff from Jose there the big notes on offense for the Cubs in this one Javi Baez is red hot we'll talk about him when we finish up with the recap when we talk about some of these other hitters that are very hot a lot of guys in this lineup very hot right now but he tied things up at one in the bottom of the fourth and then it was Ian Happ With a grand slam to the opposite field, batting left handed. That made it five to one guess who? Javi Baez made it 6-1 to one on a single, and then it was a Kyle Schwarber opposite field three-run home run. That is Kyle's 26th of the season. Victor Caratini would cap it off in the eighth with a solo home run, his sixth of the year, and that would be all that she wrote. 10-1 to one is the final. We see David Phelps with a clean inning of work here against the A's, and Pedro Strope gets back out there. He was the corresponding move for Brandon Kinsler. He throws an inning one hit, no walks, and one strikeout. Fastball was around 93, so not exactly where we want it to be, but he was generating a a few whiffs with some of his breaking stuff, that slider, namely. So good to see him get some whiffs. Command looked pretty good, uh, and he's obviously working himself back in there from the neck tightness is what he went on the injured list for but obviously he's had those hamstring things the last uh 10 months or so so just good to see him back out there get him back in the fold build up that velocity hopefully and and hopefully we can get him back to where he's been in years past, but good to see Pedro back out there, hats to the left and such. But Brendan, I think the first place that we need to start, and and there's many different places that we could possibly go on this one, but I, I think it is one. Ian Hap is yes. where I would like to start, and specifically. That lineup in the Wednesday game is what I want to see and what I think you want to see going forward, and obviously you're hoping that Wilson Contreras is doing the catching, but Victor Caratini has done a very good job. Like I said, he homered in this game today, so for now, that's great and even better when you can get Wilson back, and hopefully he's healthy and back to performing how he was. But the lineup on Wednesday as follows, Hayward, Castellanos, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber, Hap. Caratini pitcher that's what I want to see Brendan. that lineup looks visually really strong and even just breaking it down that is a really difficult lineup for a pitcher to have to go through even after you get through Baez that that top kind of gauntlet portion we'll call it you still got to deal with Schwarber you still got to deal with Hap, and then Caratini again doing a really good job in that eight hole but everybody in that lineup has pop And I would say almost everybody, really, with the exception of Javi Baez, who is busy hitting the ball all over the field, everybody in this lineup is capable of taking a walk. So I love this lineup, and specifically, I love seeing Ian Happ out there. And he has, you know, that that first weekend started not getting hits, but getting on base. But the hits are coming, and he's ripping the ball, Brennan. Yeah, good for him,
0: too. You want to see Ian Happ get some everyday playing time just because he's been playing consistently in Iowa almost every day. But the lineup they put out Wednesday, I don't really care about the order necessarily. Just get those guys out on a consistent basis. Uh, I don't really like Castellanos in the second spot against Ratties, but so be it. Ian Hap, Corey, has got to play the majority of the time. I like David Bodie. I like Albert Almora in some situations. But Hap has got to play the majority of the time. I want to read this stat by... Uh, by friend of the podcast, Michael Cerami. So he tweeted out, you ready for this? In Hap's last six plate appearances, Corey, they go as followed. Grand slam, 103 miles per hour. Line out, 103. Double, 109. Single, 113. Flyout, 89. Home run, 109 miles per hour. 474 feet, Corey. He looks better too. Like you look at the swing from the left side. He know... You know what he was trying to do: cut down the whiffs, try to be on top of the ball against high strikes, and he's been doing it. You can just go and look at the video from this year to last year; he's doing it. So we need to get this guy more playing time. But it's not just like the developmental aspect of it. He just has that thing right now that Bodie does not have. Bodie's still going through that adjustment phase in his last 50 plate appearances. Again, I love Bodie, I do, but just this is how it works in Bodie's last 50 plate appearances, he has a 302 weighted on base average. He's striking out almost 30% of the time. He's walking under 9% of his plate appearances. Again, it's only 50 plate appearances, but it goes to show you that Bodie's going through an adjustment phase. Only one home run in that sample. Hap has two home runs since being up in under 25 plate appearances. So going forward, I'm not saying, yeah, play him every... Actually, I did say this. I do want to see him every day. But at least, like, you know, 8 out of 10 games, give Hap the start. Whether it's that second base, center field, left field. Actually, Schwarber's doing well, too, so maybe not left field. Just get the guy in somehow. And he, he has he has that attitude, too, right? Like, you know, he wants to prove so badly that he should not probably have been sent down. He wants to prove that he belongs here. And I, I do value that to some degree, for him trying to show up when the leverage is high, he's trying to contribute, and he's been doing that. So I I love to see a Corey. Could happen there almost every day.
3: Yeah, I agree. I will say, just because you mentioned Bodie, he and Hap did turn a double play at that one point when the two of them were on the infield. That was kind of weird to see, but that that was kind of fun. That was but... a
0: great double play though. And before you before you go on there, I do want to point that out too. Point that out too. Like I I like what Bodie's, you know, doing this year, but what he did at shortstop on, the, on that double play was why he's on the roster, and Robo mm-hmm. Garcia is not. So there was a lot of you know debate about why is Bodie still up on the team and Robo's back in, in AAA. Bodie can play shortstop, guys. He's a quality defender. He made stupid errors nonstop this year, but on plays that are difficult to get to, He has the range, he has the footwork, he has the athleticism to make those plays. And that double play was a perfect example. That was very shortstoppish, Corey.
2: Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply.
1: So, Bodie,
0: in his role as a utility player, part time right now, defensive replacement, I like it,
3: yeah, and and again, like I, I think you know maybe you you could argue, Bodie, you wanted him to get more of a shot, but he he's had some opportunities, he struggled, and you know, here comes Ian Hap, and I, I think sometimes you have to defer to those guys who are performing and and give them a shot to keep that going. and that's what I think we were asking for with Hap when he came up and wasn't getting those immediate starts was basically he was hot in the minors. Let's get him up here and let's try to ride that. Let's try to capitalize on that success that he's been having. And it certainly looks like that's kind of what's happening here. It's, It's only 31 plate appearances that he has at the major league level so far, but a 320 batting average, 452 on base percentage. He's got six walks to six strikeouts and a 600 slugging percentage. Again, extremely small sample size, but this is what you wanted him to do. You sent him down to make adjustments. He started to perform better. Now he's back at the major league level, and those adjustments are are, are taking shape a little bit. He's performing. Yeah. Like you just read that stat from Michael, he's ripping the ball. He's one of, if not the fastest guys on the team, so always good to have his speed out there. He can beat out infield singles. He can make plays in the outfield just purely based off of his range, and you guys know if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, I always go back to that quote from that first spring training he spent with the big league club when he was on the MLB network, and he says to Sean Casey or whoever's interviewing him from the MLB network, I just want to be as versatile as possible. On this team, it's so important to play multiple positions, and that was before he had even played, I think, a big league game, and he knew this is what I got to do to be in the fold for this team and this is what's important for this team whether they want me at second base left field right field center field I need to be able to do it all and we heard that from a lot of the guys that were covering him when he was in the minors that he really was making strides on defense I think he's looked good out there in the opportunities that he's had so yeah yeah. I, I, we need him out there, and, and he's and taking I think, grounders
0: at shortstop too. Like he's uh-huh. trying to do everything. Yeah, and he Bodie can. does the same
3: thing. To his credit, both those guys are all about. Let me do whatever I can and and I'm going to try to do it. Again, like you said, Bodie with some really significant offensive adjustments that he needs to make, but both of these guys, and others as well, but very team-first guys. They just want to do what they can to get out on that field and and have the opportunity, and Hap is certainly grabbing that bull by the Horns right now, and yeah, man, Like I just look at that lineup on Wednesday, and especially compared to some of the other lineups that we've seen throughout the year, when you know guys like Descalso and Russell, et cetera, were up on this team. This lineup looks very deep. It's a long lineup, and especially when you have these guys going right, Hayward hitting like he has this entire year, Castellanos just doing his thing, ripping those doubles into the Wrigley Field alleys. KB, like you mentioned uh, earlier, looking good. Drove the ball a lot in this last uh, couple games yeah. against Oakland. So hopefully that knee soreness is, is is behind him, but ripped a home run on Tuesday night, ripping the ball a few times. Just missed a home run uh, off the Ivy on Wednesday. So he looks good. Rizzo doing his thing. Javi is extremely hot right now, and maybe we'll move into that. Uh, but I, I, I do want to talk right. about Schwarber as well. But yes. this lineup just looks really, really deep. And again, we've talked about it. you know that provides the opportunity where you can use guys like Albert Almora, Tony Kemp, David Bodie, as well, and get them into those spots where you really want them and you really think they are primed for success. But this lineup looks deeper and longer right now, and we talked about this in the last episode, Brendan, where you asked me, do you prefer Hayward up top or Schwarber up top?" And I said, I preferred Hayward up there because he's been going well. But I like Schwarber in the middle to back end of that order because he is an extraordinarily dangerous bat to have to deal with when you get through Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, and you're talking about the six or seven hole in some of these lineups. But Kyle is on one right yeah. now. He is putting up massive numbers over the, the last period of time here. I, I want to read a stat from Mark Gonzalez at MD MDGonzalez on Twitter. In his last six games, again, obviously a, a small sample size, but so what? This is These were big games the Cubs were playing at well, home. I got, I got some Brewers. numbers for a larger sample size, but you go first. Okay, sure. So in his last six games, seven for 12 with a double, two homers, six RBIs, five walks okay, that is extremely hot. And even if you look at his last 15 games, he's got an OPS over a 1,000, a near 270 batting average with five homers and 14 RBIs. So he's one of those guys, he goes through stretches, certainly, where it doesn't look like it's clicking, it doesn't look right. But right now, this version of Kyle Schwarber as your six or seven hitter is an extremely valuable weapon for this team. And again, you saw it today. He, he, over the course of this weekend, just that easy power, man. He destroys yeah. the ball. He ripped one near that scoreboard in right field over the weekend against the Brewers. Goes oppo today against the A's. This is the version of Kyle Schwarber that I think has had a lot of us salivating over the over the last few years of what his potential could be.
0: Yeah, and so in his last 50 plate appearances, which is significant because a lot of those peripherals start to stabilize around 50 plate appearances like like chase rate, swing rate, all of those, okay? In Schwarber's last 50 plate appearances, he has walked in 14% of those plate appearances. But here's the crazy part, only has struck out in five of those plate appearances. So five of 50 plate appearances, he's only struck out. That's a 10%, rate. Right? he's walking at a 14% rate. He's striking out at a 10% rate. He has five home runs, Corey, in that 50 plate appearance sample. He has the same number of home runs as he does strikeouts. That's wild. So whatever he's doing differently, whether it's an adjustment, whether it's optimal matchups, whatever it is, you got to get this guy in a lineup almost every day as well. There was a stretch there, what was it, maybe five weeks ago or whatever it was, he came off three consecutive games homering, and then he sat for three consecutive games. I don't know why. I thought maybe he was dealing with a back injury, just got some rest, whatever it was. He came back, did not look the best as a result. But these last two and a half weeks, th- this is kind of optimal Schwarber. This is what you imagine he would be when you think about his ceiling. I'm not saying he's reaching his ceiling right now, but he's on one. He's hot get him in the lineup. Like you, I do enjoy watching him batting six, maybe batting seventh, whatever he looks like when Willie comes back. Just somewhere in the middle to down in the order, maximizing that power potential with runners on base. I think the thing that Hayward did not have, that Schwarberg does have, is when you have runners on, especially batting behind KB and Rizzo and those guys, and maybe even a half going forward, you have opportunities to hit those three run home runs, to hit those grand slams. And that's what Hap did today, and that's what Schwarber did today, where Hayward can set the table. Doesn't have the power, even though he's you know slugging well this year, but not the same type of power that he does for Hap and Schwarber. So the way the lineup is orchestrated right now, I like where Schwarber's at. I don't mind him batting higher up in the order at times, even leadoff at times. But for the short term, Hayward's doing well, keeping that leadoff, maximized Hap, Maximize Schwarber in the middle to lower part of the order, and What we saw in these last few games is exactly why I love this lineup. Top to bottom, you have walk potential, and you have every single guy in this lineup with the ability to just hit a home run at any point. And that's what's fun to watch. And so, yeah, man, Schwarber's on one. It's kind of a sneaky hot streak. I did not even realize how hot he was to walk in that many plate appearances. And they had the same number of home runs, five, as strikeouts in the last two and a half weeks. That's significant, Corey.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and I and he's now at 26 home runs on the 2019 season, matching his total from 2018, nearing his career high, which he said in 2017, which was 30. And I, I think that part of what I like about him, kind of being toward that back end of the lineup, is I think he has the profile to be a leadoff hitter. I think that we all, you and I especially, always agreed with the general like background logic of that decision. But what I really like about him hitting deeper in the order is you just send him up there to slug. Just do your thing, man. Yeah, like that's Like work what a I good mean. plate appearance and try to kill the ball, right? You're, you're not worried about setting the table for anybody. You're not worried about running up the pitcher's pitch count. And who knows if that stuff was affecting him or whatever, right? Like it's just different adjustments. It's hard to say. But I just like him being in a spot where it's just like, Kyle, don't think about anything. Just go up there. If the pitcher's right. not giving you anything to hit – take your walk like you will, and if he does, kill it, man, and that's it, yeah. and, I, and I think that that is a, a really good spot for him, kind of clean up whatever Javi leaves left over, which sometimes isn't much, <laughs> but I, I think it's a really good spot for him, and again, it just makes that lineup so deep because someone like that lurking in the six, seven hole, I mean, if Wilson Contreras was healthy, you might have Schwarber in the seven hole. Right. Maybe even like batting 8th at times. That's insane, right. Corey. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, that is a deep, long lineup, and that is exactly what you want this lineup to look like. But I, I, I do want to uh, talk Javi just a little bit and this is actually the second part of that Mark Gonzalez tweet that I read. Uh, in that same span as as Schwarber, Baez 11 for his last 23 with two doubles, one triple, three homers, eight runs, and nine RBIs. And he had been on sort of a slump, like a— Again, for for Javi, it it was a slump. He just wasn't playing at that level that maybe we saw in 2018. But over this last stretch here, he looks really, really good. He is destroying the ball. He's been going oppo a good bit today. You had that inning where uh, KB gets the single, Rizzo gets on base, and then first pitch. Javi goes opposite field, line drive to right field to bring home Bryant. And you can tell that he is just locked in. Luckily he fouled a ball off his foot. Th- thank God for that shin guard, and I know you were thinking the same thing. Oh, of course. Right? But he he seems to be no worse for where he did come out of the game, but the Cubs were up well, nine I mean, to one or ten to one he's yeah, fine. at the time. Yeah. He's no fine. no issue there. But just because we've been monitoring this heel situation with him, it's really good to see him in this stretch and and just looking really locked in at the plate. Uh, But this was, uh, again, a very good homestand for him. And just like we were talking about with Schwarber, like, in a lot of these lineups, Javi has been your five-hitter. Like, that's a very good five-hitter to have. So I'm feeling pretty confident about this lineup right now and and it's really just going to be a question of what happens when they get to Cincinnati and are on the road because i think that they they look very strong and and like we talked about with that brewers series especially in comparison to that series in St. Louis that they had just played it just sort of looked like a completely different team they they just come out and they're killing the ball and i i did this yeah. for that brewers series but 6 runs on 12 hits on monday four runs on 11 hits. Even in that game on Tuesday when they get blown out, they still scatter uh, 11 hits in the game. They take three walks in that game, so that's a pretty solid amount of base runners. And then in the finale, 10 runs on 11 hits. Like, this offense is destroying the ball at Wrigley Field. It, it, they just need to carry it over to where they're going. Got three series on the road, and I again, I don't think that there is anything that this team isn't able to overcome playing at Wrigley Field versus playing on the road. There, there's no way that with this group it's a confidence thing or they, they need to be. I, look, I, I know that all of us at Wrigley Field, the, the faithful, are wonderful fans, the best fans in the world, right? Listen to these fans, as Pat Hughes would say. <laughs> but for as wonderful as we are, Brendan, they don't need to be in front of us to succeed. This lineup should be doing stuff like this almost on a nightly basis. So that's yeah. what I expect as we head on the road here. And I I, I certainly hope that's the case, because otherwise (laughs) I don't really have many answers for why it doesn't translate, because they look really good on this homestand, and I'm hoping that that continues. Well, I think the way the Cubs played in this last series is why
0: you remain optimistic about the Cubs' chances during the playoffs, if, if, again, they do get there. Because top to bottom, when everyone's clicking, when Schwarber's contributing— and Hap looks like he looked in 2017 and for the majority of 2018. And you have KB healthy and Rizzo doing his thing and Javi doing his thing. You you just cannot help yourself but dream about what that lineup would do in a small series because they can go off and hit home runs top to bottom, left and right, if they if they're all clicking at one time. Going back to Javi though, that that one game, the last game of the A series, he had three batted balls hit over 97 miles per hour one which was the, the single at a 106 miles per hour. And then he had the, uh, the the multiple line drives to right field over 97 miles per hour. So having Javi go to the opposite field with authority is a sign that he's healthy. And I feel like this year, not feel like, the data even says it too. He's slamming the ball to the opposite field gap with consistency. It's like what Derek Cheater used to do, but Javi is just actually hitting the ball with power to the opposite field. Good to see it does make you wonder, again, once Wilson comes back, what they do with Castellanos. Because again, if there's one little thing to nitpick, and I don't want to do that, but having Castellanos bat second in this type of lineup against righties, he has a weight on base average of around 310 against right-handed pitchers, probably not the best place to put him. And I think it does warrant a conversation. Once Wilson does come back, who's going to bat in that second spot? Will Wilson go back up there? Will they try to put KB back in the second spot? It's It's a discussion for a different day. But it does make you wonder, okay, what's going to happen once everyone is healthy? But just point being, this team, Corey, in a small series, has massive potential. And it can compete right. with any of the top teams in the National League. And that's why we remain so optimistic and so perplexed at times when they go through these dry spells.
3: Right. And I think that's really indicative of why we kept saying, you know, especially during that pre-All-Star break stretch and then that not-so-good uh you know, month or plus there where they were, you know, kind of under 500. Well, not kind of under 500. They They were were playing over under under 500. Yeah. Um, That's why we kept saying, like, I genuinely believe that they are better than this. And obviously they've made additions. Cassianos is a huge addition. But the, the reason being is, and we just kept saying this, like, if you can get good starts, which we've continued to see from guys like Hendricks, Hamels being back, playoff John Lester, uh, Jose Quintana has been in a really good run now. You Darvish pitching the best he has in a Cubs uniform and performing at a really high level right now. This offense has plenty of capability to match those guys and get the job done. We just weren't seeing it. But again, at home, and especially this past homestand, we are seeing it. So, yeah. And and to your point about the lineup, I, I think that that, especially with Castellanos, like, I would prefer he not hit second uh, against... Right-handers, he destroys left-handers, okay to pretty good, right against uh, right-handers. But that's one of those where it's like you're kind of like you said, nitpicking to an ideal scenario, right? I don't think that Cassianos being in the two-hole is that big of a deal. That's I, I think one of those like marginal lineup decisions. And I'm not saying you were suggesting otherwise, but just pointing out that that's one where. When this lineup is clicking the way that it has recently, then it does you get not to, matter. Yeah. Well, and you get to play those games where you say, Which "Yeah, is this fun. is great," yeah. but could it be just an inch <laughs> better? And maybe it doesn't even make that much of a difference. But why not have the discussion, right? Yeah. So either way, I, I, I again, I, I think that this lineup is is in a good place, uh, and it it. I, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, but really fun to watch Nick Castellanos. He mentioned, I think, the other day in talking maybe to 670 this score I apologize I'm not remembering the exact source but he just said like I really feel like I'm the prototype hitter for Wrigley Field and yeah. you really see it I mean the dude is going to live in those power alleys just extend it,
0: them I know it's too soon in the game right it does seem like the perfect fit
3: it, it definitely feels like a love at first sight it kind does. of thing I, I'm so into what he's doing And there was a play today where I think he hit maybe a a deep fly ball that wasn't caught uh, and he ends up at second. And it was one of those where it kind of looked like it might be a home run. The guy then ended up camped under it. And either way, he busted it out of the box. That's what I'm saying. He did the same thing last week too. And he's not pimping anything. He's hustling, immediately gets up and does, you know, that celebration towards the dugout. And we mentioned this in the last podcast, but this dude is pumped to be here. And just on him, since we're talking about him, another note from Mark Gonzalez, he says Cassianos has hit safely in his first 10 career games at Wrigley Field. Uh, a 405 batting average, 17 for 42, and he is the first player to do so since Andrew McCutcheon, who was not a Cub. So, this is obviously a much more pleasant uh, version of that stat. And Cassianos, after Wednesday's game, now leads Major League Baseball with 43 doubles. Wow. And I-, I think that's one where you look at okay, in the two hole, ahead of Bryant, ahead of Rizzo, ahead of Baez, that's going to play. Folks, that get yourself on second base, and I think we're going to get ourselves a lot of runs. I think this relationship is going to go just fine. Yeah, Brendan, so but I do want to move. Uh, here's what I want to do: I want to talk about the bullpen for a second. <laughs> uh, then I want to talk about John Lester. Yeah, you're like delaying it. I can tell. <laughs> we got to have a discussion about John Lester. That's fine. It will be, it will be a good one. Don't worry. Yeah. Corey. And then I want to move into the the preview of this upcoming road trip, this four-game set with the Reds, and hopefully the Cubs can play better in Cincinnati. Has not been friendly to them uh, recently, but hopefully they can correct that this weekend. But just as, as it concerns the bullpen, obviously, as I mentioned, Brandon Kinsler heading to the injured list with a, a peck injury. And I just wanted to ask you, Brendan, obviously just a mess of an outing for Steve Ciszek in that game on Monday. He goes just a third of an inning, allows three hits, three earned runs, a walk, a strikeout, and two home runs in that outing, almost blowing that game, a 6-2 to lead that the Cubs had. Not something we we're used to seeing from Ciszek. The first time in his career, I believe, that he has allowed two home runs in the same inning and with Kinsler now out, Kimbrel out, Moro MIA, who knows what's going on with him. I you know, he he's like one where I would love like even just a picture to prove he's still alive. Like I I'm not even sure what's going on with him. But do you, do you have any concerns about this bullpen just Again, a lot of these guys have stepped up and performed really well. I mentioned Kyle Ryan. I mentioned David Phelps stepping in in a new situation and being called upon in various roles and doing that job. Rowan Wick continuing to look very good. He actually picked up the win on Monday uh, in two-thirds of a completely clean inning, 1.98 ERA on the season. He continues to look good in these spots, so not necessarily concerned with the personnel uh, and Also, adding to that, we saw uh, Dwayne Underwood come in in relief of Lester and strike out all six batters that he faced, flashing 96-mile-an-hour fastballs, really good changeup, good stuff from Underwood. So that was definitely kind of like that eye emoji, like, okay, I'm listening, I'm, I'm paying attention to this, but... So not necessarily from a personnel perspective, but the the injuries are racking up, Brendan, and we don't really know what kind of shape Strope is in now that he's back, if he needs some time to kind of get back up to speed with the, the rash of injuries that he's been dealing with, but especially as they head out on a three-series, um, ten-game road trip, just any concerns with how they're going to weather this storm, who's going to be called upon to close games, or do you think that, that Joe and the guys can piece this together and, and figure it out?
0: I'm not too concerned. Surprisingly, the injury prognosis for Kinsler and and Kimbrell both are pretty appealing. It's only going to be maybe only you know two weeks for Kinsler. Same thing with even Kimbrell. So in two weeks, this conversation could be all for nothing. But in the short term, for these next ten games or so, they have Rowan Wick. They have Kyle Ryan. Steve Cizik. Strope is back. They have Underwood. They have Chatwood, and then they can go back and dip into their Iowa bullpen if they need to. But the point being, they have six guys who have very distinct traits that should play well or have the opportunity to play well in 10 games. I mean, Roman Wick, we've seen what he's been doing. He's been throwing 97, 98, uh, a very short release. He looks good out there, right? Kyle Ryan, no need to go into depth about him, but he does have the most unorthodox release point in professional baseball, most towards the first base side out of any lefty in the league. Steve Sijek, he's Steve Sijek. If you have to worry about Steve Sijek, then we may have a different conversation here. He's he's there. Pedro Strope. he still has one of the nastiest sliders in the league, despite throwing 93 to 94. The whiff rates are all within his career range. He should be fine. Again, it's just a matter of him being healthy and commanding the ball. The, the issue has not been the velocity, it's been the command. Chatwood's looked phenomenal recently, and Underwood has the potential to be one of those guys who gets whiffs. So those are six names right there who theoretically should provide difficulty for the opponents. It's 10 games, Corey. And if Kimbrell's injury was to his shoulder, was to his elbow, if Kinsler's injury was more severe, maybe that was to his shoulder, then the conversation would be different. But I'm very optimistic that this bullpen, for the short term, has the potential to get outs. And I think we saw with Wick, we saw with Ryan, and we have uh, David Phelps, who I did not even mention, who has one of the, the, the most unorthodox cutter fastball combination, curveball combination for relievers. I'm okay with it. I'm not saying it's a, a shutdown bullpen by no means, right? But at least I know these guys have distinct traits that separate them from an average reliever that at times should provide the opponent a lot of difficulty to, to hit. And for 10 days, that's fine. Let's get Kimberl back healthy. Let's get uh, Kinsler back healthy. I like the precautionary steps they finally took with some of their guys. Once they come back, the bullpen shapes up. And maybe, you know what? Maybe in hindsight, this is kind of a, a good thing. It's never a good thing for these injuries. But Underwood, Corey, came in, struck out the first six batters he faced. Maybe that's an opportunity for him to get more looks. Rowan Wick, all these injuries, suddenly he gets high leverage situations. Maybe he's a high leverage opportunity come September, come October, right? So there's opportunities for these guys to now grab onto. And Kyle Ryan did that earlier near. Now look at him, right? Kinsler did the same thing, took advantage of these opportunities when guys went down. Now look at him. So this could be another opportunity for guys to step up and give the Cubs more depth than I think even us as fans imagined.
3: Yeah, I think I'm with you. I'm not particularly concerned about it. It's just, you know, this is a lot of injuries kind of hitting at once and it's going to be, on some of these guys to really step up. But I, I think that they're capable of it. I think they have the personnel to do it. And I also would say, you know, we talked about this on this last episode saying like guys like Kyle Ryan, Rowan Wick in particular have been very good. And now it's time to get them into those spots and, and see like, okay, like as we head to maybe playing the Braves in the playoffs, the Dodgers in the playoffs, etc. Are can we rely on these guys and are they going to be ready for this and they you know like I said Kyle Ryan coming in in the ninth inning of that other game Rowan Wick coming in to put out some fires so they've definitely been getting into those spots so good to see them getting in there and succeeding and yeah it's it I think some of them are going to get called upon in the next few days over the on this road trip to pick up some of the slack as as some of these guys are getting back from injuries and and trying to find themselves, et cetera. So yeah, I'm not overly concerned. It's just one of those, like, try to get everybody healthy and and get through it. So, but the starting pitching has generally been very good. So hopefully we don't necessarily have to rely on them that much. Uh, But on that note, I do want to talk about John Lester, if you guys will allow me for a moment. And again, it's kind of what I said in the beginning, which was... We've been through this, right? Like, he's in a different position than, say, someone like Cole Hamels, right? Cole Hamels, velocity, still very good, looks very much like his, his sort of vintage self, not his youngest self, perhaps, but still a lot of velo on that fastball, one of the best changeups in the game. He he's got great stuff. And John has good stuff too, but it's diminished. There there's no way you could look. John did not throw 91 his entire career, right? So this is just one of those things that happens. It's okay. He's going to have starts that aren't very good. We've seen this from him over the last few years, oddly enough, kind of around this time frame, generally. I mean, even at his best, though, too, Corey, like he was still giving up those,
0: those disastrous starts, even in 2016, when he was at arguably his best as a
3: Cub. Right. And, and the, the key to this, though, again, and I, I've said this before, I said this when he went through a rough patch earlier in the year, I did not tell you. You didn't hear it from me, right? That John Lester is the ace of this team. Brendan, you didn't say that. So it's weird when he has starts like this that you see people on social media or writers, whatever, talk about how he's not the ace of the Cubs or, oh, this isn't the performance of an ace. No, it's not because he isn't. That person is probably Kyle Hendricks. And over the last calendar year, it's probably Cole Hammels. So I don't—I didn't tell you that. Like, I didn't tell you to expect that John Lester was going to win the Cy Young this year because I didn't think that was going to happen, and I wouldn't have advised you to think that was going to happen. He has been very good for the position that he's in in his career and where he is on this contract with the Cubs. He is usually going to give you a good outing to quality start that keeps the team in the game. And that's all you're really asking for of him. There's going to be these blowups. It's just going to happen. Velo's down. When he doesn't have that command, he's not getting that outside edge, which he wasn't in that start on Tuesday. Trouble brews, right? So that's just sort of how it goes. But it's perfectly fine. He has been, and we say this all the time, light years, light years worth that contract if he never threw another pitch for the Chicago Cubs. And he still throws a lot of really good games, Brendan. Yeah. So it's it's weird when the reaction is so strong to a bad start. It was a terrible start. It was an awful start. Immediately in the second inning, the game is basically over. Asking the offense to come back from an 8 to nothing hole is a really tall order and very difficult, I think, psychologically for an offense to dig their way out of. But it happens. It's really not a big deal. And if he's with the way everybody else is performing, if you're slotting John is as your five starter, if you will, and I did air quotes for that, but that's great. Who's complaining about that? That's totally fine, and I want to read a a number from friend of the podcast, Tyler Free, on Twitter, and he said in his last eight starts, he's got a three and a half ERA with a 3.8 XFIP, And he's gone five and two-thirds innings in all but one of those starts, six-plus in five of those starts, and zero to three runs in six of them. Those are good starts, guys. So, like, if you're waiting for him to throw nine-inning complete game shutouts and be winning the Cy Young, I I don't think that's going to happen. But he's been good. He has been a good pitcher for this team, which at this point in his career and the contract is— perfectly great it, it's it's totally fine and the other thing that i i just got to finish on and i, I think this is You're probably <laughs> well i i mean it, it's just like some As of these people come I'm out it's some of these people come out of the woodwork and it reminds me like when chris goes through a slump and people are talking about trading chris bryant and all of that other stuff and i i have the exact same response to some of those takes and it's time out when you talk about Chris Bryant in in that example but when you talk about John Lester I'm going to ask you to do one thing okay put some respect on his name that's it okay it's so weird and and all fan bases are like this it's not unique to Cubs fans and I have moments like this myself where I have to remind myself of this with certain players but you really get the impression that people hate some of these players, right? Like the minute they're not performing at the highest level, the vitriol just comes out. And it's like, has John not done enough for this franchise in the last few years since he signed and started in 2015? That when he has one bad start in a season where he came into the game on Tuesday with a 3.8 ERA, Right after earlier in the year giving you a month and a half of sub one and a half ERA baseball, right? Like, has he really not done enough? that he can't have a bad start without people telling him to retire and saying he stinks and this, that, and the other. And it's not necessarily from prominent people. I know our Cubs-related podcast listeners, you're all smarter than that. You wouldn't do such a thing. You would never speak ill of John Lester or a lot of these guys in such a regard. But to the general masses, you gotta put some respect on some of these guys' names. Okay, all John has done since he's come over here is be well worth the contract that the Cubs are paying him. He was the NLCS co-MVP with Javi Baez in the 2016 playoffs when the Cubs win the pennant. And by the way, he helps lead them to a World Series, which they World won in 20- yes, 2016. Yeah, they won it. Yeah, yeah. as well. Okay, so all I'm asking is just put some respect on the man's name. Okay, like if you're waiting for him to win the Cy Young, that's on you. Nobody told you to do that. Okay, don't hold people to a standard that's not realistic for where they are in their career. All right, that's all I'm saying. I'm gonna turn it to you, Brennan, because I could go (laughs) on this for a year, right? But just we we gotta put some respect on, on these guys' names, especially John Lester. All right, the man is a Cubs legend, no questions asked. All right. So please keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to
2: the game room with Xfinity internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply.
1: It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20 ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola zero sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Yeah, I mean, look, I
0: can't follow up anything you say about John Lester. I will say, though, even this year... He's been worth 2.1 fangraphs war. If you want to use the whole dollar per war model, that's worth $17 million. You want to put this on a trajectory, he's going to live up to his value this year of $26 million. So the argument that he's being overpaid went out the window in 2016, okay? When he was putting up uh, season war totals of around five per year for three consecutive years. Out the window in 2016, is over for him to even do this at that age is icing on the cake. Theo never probably imagined Lester to even be this valuable. Maybe he did. Maybe I'm speaking out of terms here, but even in this year, Corey, his walk rate of 2.1 batters per nine innings is the best walk rate since 2015. He has a better walk rate this year than he did in 2016 when he had an ERA of 2.44. I know he's throwing slower. That's fine, though. His, His K per nine this year is nine batters per inning. You know what it was in 2016? Almost nine batters per nine innings. So a lot of the numbers are a little deflated because he is throwing slower. Some of the power numbers are up against Lester. That's okay. But point being, he's been, one, better than league average this year. Two, worth every penny of his contract and then some. He's even making it up this year in 2019. Three, a legend. Retire his number. I don't care. I know we always talk about this. The guy is a Chicago Cubs legend. And just to throw it out there, too, FIP and ERA is up across the board like crazy this year. You all know it. But the average ERA and FIP is 4.5. Lester's FIP is 4.15. In 2016, the average FIP was 4.2. It's gone up a third of a point. That's an insane amount in such a short time span. But John Lester, he's adapted. He stayed above the curve, so to speak, and he's still better than the average as, how old is he now? He's going to be 36 years old, and he's still competing. You tell me when John Lester's on the mound in a high leverage situation, you tell me you're not comfortable, because I don't care what the numbers say, Corey. When it comes to those types of performances, when Lester needs to turn it on, he's going to do it. It's just that he's done it every single damn year, Corey. The guy is a gamer. We will not stand for it. And even though he had one bad start, one bad start, a week ago, his numbers were so much better. You just read them out. I get it. You have to look at the entire sample. But it's it's not fair to him. It's no slander tolerated on this podcast for John Lester, for Chris Bryant. Never gonna happen, Corey.
3: Yeah, no, the, uh, let's just say the block button on Twitter was yeah. out in it, full it's, force it's last hot. night. I, I definitely name-search John Lester, and I'm ready. I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's see. Never block, interacted block, with block. half of you, but you're gone. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just want to finish. Uh, he's thrown a a good bit of innings for the Cubs in the postseason since he came over in 2015 and his ERAs in those seasons four and a half in 2015 that driven up by that Mets starts which you know really the whole team kind of fell off the rails there in that series. 202 in 2016, 1.88 in 2017, and only one start in 2018 in that wildcard game. But he was very good in that start, six innings for a one and a half ERA. And I want to reiterate this again why I'm asking, let's put some respect on the man's name. In 2016, when the Cubs win the World Series, okay, John Lester goes three and one in 35 and two thirds innings with a 2.02 ERA.
0: Plus. That's it. Game seven of the World Series coming in relief. So, look, we can go on forever, right? One last start or one last step before I read this upcoming series. Uh, Lester, you ready for this? 2015, 32 starts. 2016, 32 starts. 2017, 32 starts. 2018, 32 starts. This year, he's on pace, Corey, for 32 starts. Durability, consistency—that
3: is who John Lester is. It's not going anywhere. He's still it's, just as good this year, Corey. It's weird, Brendan, that we've never tied that in, and I don't like that he's on pace for it for this yeah. reason. I, it's weird that we've never tied that in with Rizzo always landing on 32 home runs.
0: 32, man. That's, a, What's, that's what? What is the number, deal with that number? Uh, maybe both of them go above 32 this year. We don't know. Uh, let's get both of them. 33. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. I Although like if
3: John is on pace for 32, I'm not quite sure how he would end up with an extra start, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, hopefully that does not that does not happen <laughs> he's, yeah we need him to pitch on
3: three days rest at the end of yeah. the year but uh right. yeah well okay John can stay at 32 starts but I do need Anthony to get that 33rd sure. home run yeah. though he's really not uh, yeah. on on pace for that I don't Let's know anymore do he's but anyway we're we're getting off the real here anyway just like come on like John Lester's a Cubs this. legend man like he had a bad start it's been a good year for him Keep the expectations realistic, okay? Like it's it's fine. Like, but again, it's it's also so weird, Brennan. Like, it, it's one of those things where you still hear that term "ace" thrown around with him, and even I'm looking around, going like, guys, like. The, the best pitcher on this team for probably a couple years has been Kyle Hendricks. I don't know where you've been, but like there, there's really no beating around the bush there. And like since he came over, it's it might be Cole Hamills. Like the the numbers kind of speak for themselves in that or regard. I'm not sure last month. where people get like holding you know John to this standard, but like that's not really where it's at. You shouldn't think of it that way, and that's yeah. totally fine. Yep. Okay. So let's and also this up, just yeah. last thing on John Lester. Yeah, yeah, yeah amazing hitter so you you, you oh, can't yeah. discount that where he's dropped in velocity on his fastball he has made, made up, up for in by adding velocity. that production at the plate i love it. i rest my case i'll try to stop talking about this this is where we need like that cubs related podcast premium edition brendan and then it would just be okay on tonight's premium episode Corey talks about john lester for three straight hours with all expletives included <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, so uh, let's preview this upcoming series against the Cincinnati Reds. In Cincinnati, a four-game set. You can get you can get tickets to the series through SeatGeek with millions of live event tickets and a price match to guarantee. SeatGeek proves there's a better way. search so sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? It's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets from all over the web. Then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an easy-to-use interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone and it's by far the easiest way I found to shop for tickets. In fact, I just used the app to buy tickets to Wrigley Field in two weeks. I'll be at Wrigley Field supporting the team, taking care of business like you are, Corey. I use SeatGeek. I got tickets for my friends, for my family within five minutes. It's that simple. Best of all, SeatGeek will give you guys $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use the promo code. Download and download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code Cubs Related for ten dollars off your first purchase. That's promo code Cubs Related for ten dollars off your first
3: purchase. Okay. Uh why well, do you just want to jump in there, Brendan, and say sure. it, it's thank goodness for SeatGeek because as you guys may have put together from Brendan finishing that he's not allowed to sit with me, so he, he needed to find a way to get tickets elsewhere. I'll and, still find my yeah. way
0: over to you, Corey. You yeah, know
3: that. well, we'll we'll see about that. Brendan and I went to game, what, two of the NLCS two. in 2016. The Cubs lost that game, no, and no, 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 that's no. that's well, pretty much it.
0: We were at the David Bode Grand Slam game last year together, too, so, you know. It, well, it, not it, it, sitting together, sad. though. Sure, but we are still in the gen- – you know, for a different day, Corey. We'll argue this for a different day. <laughs> uh, but we right. were both there, point, point proven. Anyway. And by the way, we were at the Do- we were at Dodger Stadium for Game 5 of the 2016 NLCS, so I made up for that, just saying. That's true. Anyway, anyway, Cole Hamels on the mound, Thursday night, 6.10 p.m. Central start time. He'll be facing Alex Wood, who has not pitched that much this year, dealing with injuries, but he's 1-0 with a 3.18 ERA. Hamels on the year, 6-3 with a 2.84 ERA. On Friday, the same start time, 6.10 p.m. Central, Trevor Bauer taking the mound for the Reds, uh, newly acquired for Yasiel Puig from the Indians. Bauer on the year 9-8 with a 3.85 ERA. He'll
3: Do you remember facing... anything in particular about Trevor Bauer yeah, that stands out to you, Brennan?
0: trying to remember, Corey. Ah, that's right. He lost several games against the Cubs in the 2016 World Series run. Is that right, You're right. right Corey? It, it
3: always... Okay. Okay. reminds me every it time does. i see wilson contreras his name i'm like that's huh. always something to remember he's got those two l's in his name which yeah, is nine, just one, like those two l's the cubs handed to trevor bauer in that's the 2016 right. world series you that's totally right.
0: so he'll be facing you darvish on the year four and five with a 4.36 era hopefully you continues his strong stretch hopefully he's healthy dealing with the same illness that supposedly other guys had in the clubhouse We will see. On Saturday, same start time, 6.10 p.m. Central, Kyle Hendricks on the mound. He'll be facing Sonny Gray, who's having a phenomenal year for the Reds. He's 6-6 with a 3.25 ERA. Very similar to Hendricks' numbers, who's 8-8 with a 3.06 ERA. To finish off the four-game set on Sunday, day game, 12.10 p.m. Central start time, your boy John Lester on the mound looking to rebound off that bad start. On the year, he's still 9-8 with a 4.39 ERA. Will be facing Luis Castillo, probably the nastiest pitcher on a red starting staff. Who is that? Is surprisingly one of the best in the league this year. Castillo on the season is 11 four with a 2.63 ERA right now. Again, the Cubs are 62 and 52. They are three full games up on Milwaukee, three and a half games up of the Cardinals, and the Reds are 54 and 58. They're basically out of the division race for the time being, most likely for the rest of the season, and. Simple as this, Corey. Win on the road. No more, no less. Time to take that stretch from Wrigley to Cincinnati, where they've played a lot. Not much success there recently, but a lot of guys have had career games there. Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber. Let's go. Simple as that. They have a chance to pull away from this division. They're throwing their best four starters right now out there. Let's see what happens.
3: Yeah, it's pretty simple, man. Like I think that what we see from this group at home, there's not much you would look at and say, oh, that's a fluke, right? So it's just about taking it on the road and getting it done. I think that what we've seen from this team on the road, if anything, is the fluke, right? So... It's just about keeping this going. This lineup looks to be in a really good place right now. As we said at the beginning, it looks deep, it looks lengthy, and it looks troublesome for the opposing pitchers. Starting pitching has been really good. Uh, like we said, you know, obviously Kyle Hendricks, of all people, ending that walk streak. Uh, but then Jose Quintana starting a new one, perhaps, on in Wednesday's game. And the bullpen, a lot of guys stepping up, accepting bigger roles with, with guys out, uh, and they've done a, a really nice job with that. So it's, yeah, same, same deal. Just take what we were doing on this homestand. You, you beat two good teams here. You, you swept the Brewers uh, in, in important division games, and then you had a visiting Oakland team that has played well against the Cardinals, the Brewers, and just in general, a team with 60-plus wins, Good team and you took two or three from them and and you put up a lot of runs a lot of hits in this series so Cincinnati's been a bit of trouble for the Cubs in in recent memory but yeah like you said we we've had a lot of very good memories at the great American ballpark as well so hopefully we can continue that this weekend but this is a big stretch for this team obviously they'll come back home after this this road trip here they've got a couple off days mixed in but if you can perform well on this road trip, at least you know weather the storm, if you will, um, you can put yourself in a really good position to come back home and continue doing really good work at Wrigley Field and hopefully distancing yourself in that division. But they they've got to do it It, it's been a weird stretch on the road and I don't think any of us really have a particular answer for why it's been that way Uh, but I think we know it should be better than what we've seen and so this series with the Reds is a a big one in the sense that you've got the Brewers playing the Texas Rangers uh, you know so we'll see how that goes but then the Cardinals going home to play the loser Pittsburgh Pirates who are of no help to anyone ever so you're going to want to get some wins, and and again, so I think if you can take care of business here on the road, keep yourself uh, with some distance at the top of this division, then you head back home and you really drive it home as we get ready to head towards September and the final month of baseball here. But other than that, uh, that's pretty simple. Just get it done on the road. I think that's all we're looking for, all we're asking for, and. Other than that, I think that's all we have for you. So uh, I will not be on the road with this team. I, I It's just not something I'm able to do. So we will have to rely on those of you who are able to get to these games. I know a lot of fans make it to the Cincinnati games, especially to... Pick up where I'm leaving off. Take care of business, guys. Okay, so we're all we're all a, a family here as this fandom, and we got to pick each other up. So I will do my job when they get back to Wrigley Field at the end of the month here. But we turn it to you, the the road fan, uh, to take care of things here. And it was a great homestand. Cubs go five and one. They, They hit the ball all over the field. Lineup looks great. Starting pitching was good. And hopefully they can carry that on the road with them. But as always, we thank you guys very much for listening. Your reviews in the Apple Podcast Store or whatever app you are listening in. Obviously, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, etc. cetera, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So we appreciate your listenership and your reviews. And as always, the interactions on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. It's uh, a pleasure going through this season with you guys and talking with you. And as always, we will be back with you after this four-game set with the Reds. And hopefully the Cubs, by then, have started to turn things around on the road. but. Again, as always, we thank you guys for listening, and go Cubs!
2: The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I would sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck
1: McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently.
2: Called her and everybody that I would sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring to, friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare, or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different.
1: Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884.